let me say it this way. If anyone is willing to follow the path that Jesus lays out, I guarantee they're going to grow spiritually. I okay. guarantee. When you are growing spiritually, it is a wellspring of life that pours into every other area of your life. Your mental health improves, your physical well-being improves, your financial world improves, your relationships improve. If you're married, your marriage improves, you've got kids, those relationships. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast that focuses on coaching you in the growth of your faith. Our world is struggling to find peace in the midst of all this chaos, direction in the midst of all this aimlessness, and purpose in the midst of no meaning. We're challenging everyone to take time to think about the point and purpose of your life. Then you will know what you believe and why you believe it. This leads to a stronger faith, and this is how you find peace, hope, and love in this world. My name is Justin Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Welcome, everyone. It's so good to be here and do this study. And now we're in the last week, and we're kind of going to bring it all together. And we, I just honestly, ladies, keep sending emails or sit, put comments in, in any way you can. Just let us know how we're doing because... We're in process ourselves. We're growing and learning and understanding. But I think the feedback so far has been overwhelmingly positive and helpful. People, women, a lot of women say, man, this has really been insightful and really helped me a lot. Absolutely. And this last week of our, this is the last week of our series yes. for women, right? So we're moving on to a new series next week. And we've been looking at what the Bible says um, to women specifically, right? This is not just a bunch of Pastor Doug's thoughts or Pastor Steve's thoughts. It's we're taking biblical principles and truth and and bringing them out so that you guys as women can see them. And the promise mm -hmm. of Jesus in John chapter 10, uh, verse 10, is for an abundant life for every woman. However, many women are wondering why they're not experiencing this <laughs> abundant life. Yes. And research shows that a majority of women are unhappy, disappointed. They're dealing with anxiety. Uh, meaning of life and purpose of their job don't make sense. Women are dissatisfied with their relationships, and it's just growing bigger and bigger in that yeah, dissatisfaction. Yeah, big, big percent of women, more and more women are saying they're dissatisfied. And as a matter of fact, by 2030, almost 50% of women between 20 and 45 will be single yeah. and childless is what yeah. the stats are saying. That's amazing. So our goal has been to take this life fulfillment equation that Jesus gave us back in Luke 9, 23 and 24, to help women discover the abundance of life so that they can live in it so that they're not yeah. wondering why am I not doing this? Why am I not experiencing this? They, there is an answer and we're, we've been trying to um, extrapolate that from Luke nine. Yeah. You know, if you can, you can live a saved life and, and this means, I mean, what people are like, well, what does that mean? Well, this is what it means. It means that your, your heart has been healed, right? Your, your, your heart has been filled. You understand your value. You know, what is, what version of you you're following. And Jesus says that when you're drinking this water that I'm giving you, it's, it's everlasting. You'll never thirst again. As a matter of fact, it'll, you're not only would be satisfied in your soul, what's going to happen is in your soul, it's going to become a wellspring of life that mm. just overflows. Well, how do I get there? Well, Jesus in, in Luke nine says, well, basically you got to know me, which is follow me. You got to know me, you got to know me personally. Right. And that means I'm telling you who you really are in me and not listening to the world. Number two is you got to know yourself. There's things about you that I've created you and designed you for, and you do so much better when you're listening to me and my version of you. 
but you've also got a problem and you got to deny those things that cause you a problem. So the only way you can do that is when you really know yourself, your strengths and weaknesses, and you can discern what's right from wrong. And I don't mean morally like, oh, is it right to steal or not to steal? That's, that's just a judgment on an activity. Knowing right from wrong is, okay, this is how I'm wired and this is what's really good for me. And it's kind of like eating, you know, boy, when I eat the things that are really good for me and they're tasteful, I just, boy, I feel awesome. When I eat things that are bad for me and because uh, I have a sweet tooth, then I feel terrible. So I need to deny that over-functioning sweet tooth. That's kind of what it means to know yourself spiritually in the real world. Then you have to know the world and what it's doing. You know, because if you have an issue with a sweet tooth, then the world's going to do nothing but have donuts, cakes, and danishes and sweet stuff in your path all day long. Yeah, it won't be good for you, and it will not be good for you. So that's the equation: know Jesus, know yourself, and know the world. And really, and I mean, really know yourself, really know the world, really know Jesus. And now, do you have to be have a PhD in it? No, but you have to kind of understand the basics and start interpreting everything that happens in your life through those three lens. And guess what? You're going to live a saved life. Absolutely. So we've spent the first three weeks going over each one of those statements. Know Jesus, know yourself, yeah. know the world, mm-hmm. but we're doing another week, pastor. So uh, <laughs> what's this fourth week going to end on? If we've already covered the three parts of the life fulfillment equation, we should be done. Well, I, uh, okay. Let me say it this way. If anyone is willing to follow the path that Jesus lays out, I guarantee they're going to grow spiritually. I guarantee it. When you are growing spiritually, it is a wellspring of life that pours into every other area of your life. Your mental health improves, your physical well-being improves, your financial world improves, your relationships improve. If you're married, your marriage improves. If you've got kids, those relationships, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So you're saying the path of Jesus has Lots of benefits. benefits. And I and guarantee you, if you follow it, you will grow in these areas. But there's one final area that I see that can short circuit all of this. And it's a thing that women struggle with often in all of my 38 years of full-time ministry and all the feedback I always get. And that is the dreaded S word. The S word. Are we allowed to say that on this podcast? <laughs> I don't <Pastor>? know. <laughs> I think women struggle with this for various reasons, but it's important to note that men don't really struggle with it like women do. And the dreaded S word is submission. Mm. That's the dreaded S word. And the reason why I don't think men deal with it like women do is because men submit all the time. We submit all the time. Uh, Our lives are a continuous process of submission, like in the military. It's a chain of command. Uh, The other thing is, the way to phrase it, it's a chain of submission. Right. Um, I know a guy who was high up uh, in the military and flew planes and he was an officer and he said he'd go to the officer's mess and hang out, you know, in in the officer's mess or in the officer's uh, club. You'd have, you know, all different levels of, you know, you could have generals all the way down, you know, to first lieutenants. And he was kind of in the middle there. And I always said, oh, I said, is it that hard to kind of figure out where you fit? He goes, oh, no, everybody knows exactly where they fit on the pecking order in the first 30 seconds that anybody's in the room. Mm. They just immediately know. And that made me think about this. And that is, is that it's the same way at work. Guys know exactly who's above them and who's below them and who's their peer. They all know that. 
and they all operate under that. They make a decision about it really quickly, and then they operate under that. And 80% of the time, it just functions. Now, there's times when it doesn't function. That's true. But we're talking about the general processes that men do it all the time. Even in friendships, men submit in their friendship groups all the time. And what I mean by that is this, is that if one guy in the friendship group, if you have four or five guys, if one guy is the funniest guy, then what happens is all the men will always defer to his humor. Right. They'll all submit to it. If one guy in the group is the money guy, everybody will always submit. Well, you know, Joe says we should be, you know, buying shekels right now. Right. So all the guys will go buy shekels, right? Because see what they do is even though they're all friends, they all have their different areas of expertise or whatever and in the way they deal with things. And then there's always the one friend that's like, you know, the glue that kind of keeps everybody together, you know, talks to everybody, knows where everybody's at. So if there's ever a problem, who do they go talk to? Well, we go, we go over, talk to Mark because he's the, the guy who always knows how all this works out. You see what I'm saying is that even in their friendship groups, men always submit. Okay. And so it's important to understand is that men submit though, not because it's relationally oriented, but because it's efficient for work and what I would call teamwork to get stuff done. Okay. And it's, so when you go to guys and you go, okay, we're a team and this is your job, your job and your job. Men take that on fairly easily. Yeah. We've seen it up at the men's camp. Like we have different activities and it's like when we were building a catapult at this last men's yeah. uh, boot camp. It was, okay, you're in charge of pulling all the nails out of the plywood. You're going to go get this. You go find this. We're going to do this. And it's very much like task-oriented, divide and conquer, so that we can get this done in the best, quickest way possible. Yeah. It, it, was, not a, exactly. it was not a debate over, well, who's who wants to or who feels this way. It was very yep. like... You go get the nails. I'm going to do this. and Because men yeah. are very, you know, task mission, task-oriented. Yeah. Task and so the notion of relationship wasn't the question. The question was, we're a team to get it done. So, see, men can submit to that really, really easily. Okay. So we are diving into probably the most contentious thing that probably you'll talk about in this series, right, Pastor? Yes. Like, I think this is one of the words that gets used a lot. And when other pastors preach on it, it's probably the one that gets thrown around the most and maybe skimmed over the easiest <laughs> or can be used for. And I think some churches, and we've talked about this privately, yeah. there's some churches that abuse this all the time as well. All right? the time. So I want our listeners, as you're going into this, don't think we don't know that there is a stigma around this and that there has been abuse of this word in the past. Like we're not using, we're not going into it because we're like, everything's fine with it. It's like, no, we're talking about it because there is an issue with it. Yes. When certain people have put certain terms on it and the world has made you believe certain things about this word. So Correct. that's why we're diving into this. That's why it's the dreaded S word. Well, and I think, you know, just, you, you just made a comment that made me think of this is really important is that your frame of reference is very important in this. And the reason why it gets abused a lot is because so a lot of people think that, uh, this is designed on how you set up a society, mm -hmm. right? But what you have to realize is that in the new Testament, the disciples were all shunned by the society and Christians were shunned by society. And so a lot of this has to do with a situation of faith in your relationship to God. Now, the Greek phrase be subject, oftentimes translated as submit, yes. or we use the term submission to refer to it. 
appears 34 times in the New Testament. Okay. Okay. Seven of those times, so a minority of those times, is in reference to wives, meaning women who are married to men. So women who are married and have husbands. All the other references of the word be subject or submit are references to Jesus. They're references to men in regards to God or, and that would be include women in a general sense, right? People in the church as fellow believers. There isn't a societal reference of being subject in the New Testament, okay? It doesn't say this is how you structure society. This is not a women you must submit to all men in your life. Correct. Su- subject. Yeah, the it's not, a, it it's not a societal that. thing. Yeah. And what what's reason we get a little confused on that is because religion always tries to influence society. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Islam is a societal structure and an economic structure. I don't know if people are aware of that. Number two is that Roman Catholicism is a societal structure. And it was a societal structure for a long time until the Reformation came along. And then and then the Reformation initially, Protestantism was a societal structure. Right. And it was intimately wrapped up with the church of England. Right? Well, we have to make sure we're looking at it from purely yes. one segment of that. We are not looking at the societal portion of it, right? That's correct. And so it didn't really become uh, the capacity to understand it in its purest form, I think, until America came into existence, because that was the point where we were saying, well, we don't, we take principles from the scriptures, right? And to build a society, but we want faith to be something that people pursue on their own. I call this the doctrine of non-coercion. So that's really important. So let's just read real quick the the seven references, okay? Seven references of be subject that is directed to wives in regards to, and you'll notice when I read these, that it always talks about wives. It does, right? And in in their husbands. Ephesians 5.22, wives, be subject to or subject yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. So he says, you've subjected yourself to the Lord in faith. Subject yourself in the same manner to your husband. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. Mm. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives. Be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women. Okay, what are they supposed to encourage young women in? To love their husbands, love their children, be sensible, pure, Workers at home kind being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. First Peter chapter three. In the same way, you wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your pure and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely the external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on apparel, but it should also be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is a precious uh, in the sight of God. 
For in this way, the holy women of former times who hoped in God also used to adorn themselves, being subject to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have proved to be your children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. So Peter is saying that the path to winning your husband is to learn how to be subject and you can be subject if you are not frightened by fear. So let's go back to why I think women struggle with this more than men. If you're a woman and you know yourself, you understand there is a part of you that desires or is driven or influences or influences you towards your husband. I mean, you think about your marriage relationship, you talk about it, analyze it, invest in it, read books about it, talk with friends about it, seek counsel and more about this relationship. Sometimes for women, their greatest joys go out to with their husbands and talk about their relationship, right? Uh, all of this effort begins to result in a process I call the husband improvement program. <laughs> Specifically, the mission of the husband improvement program is to change him into what you believe is a better version of himself. So you're motivated by a desire for your husband. You're motivated by love for your husband and you see a better version of him in your own mind. And so unbeknownst to you, you embark on the husband improvement program. Okay. And so you're getting married, aren't you, Jesse, in three getting, weeks? I am getting married very soon, yes. Very soon. So that comes with the deal, just so that you be know. <laughs> well, well, that she'll be motivated for that. And yes. we talked about that this is what the curse does, that your desire is not a bad thing, but when desires become expectations, that opens the door to the world's influence to taint the, the marriage relationship and the intimacy. Unfortunately... This problem with the husband improvement program and your motivation of love and desire for him has a barrier. And you know what the biggest barrier in the husband improvement program is? What? The husband. <laughs> okay. Husbands begin to resist. Now we could go and talk about that. I could do three or four salty pastors on why men resist, but go back and listen to some of the old series on men and you'll see why. Men start to get angry. They ignore their wives. They just stop listening to them. They get passive aggressive. They resist. They can even go so far as to act out. They'd rather spend time with their friends on their weekend than be at home. Some guys will go out and get drunk, you know, right. um, and overdo it. In the end, ladies, wives in particular, when this happens, you feel unloved. You are not happy, right? You're frustrated. He won't become better, right? And part of being better means learning how to meet your needs. Mm. And so you're frustrated that he won't meet your needs. Uh, you feel devalued. It's like he doesn't love me enough. I, I'm wired to, to be agreeable. That's feminine. I'm wired to understand your needs. I'm wired to want to meet your needs. Why, why can't you be that way? Why are you not reciprocating? Yeah. And so what ends up happening, ladies, and I'm just trying to analyze the, the, the actual reality, is that you begin, you feel devalued. He doesn't love me enough, right? And so you begin to shut down. You shut down sexually 
And you can start communicating disrespect to him because you're hurt that he doesn't love you enough to change, right? That he won't get with the program. In marriage, when it comes to intimacy, I call this losing. This is losing. And this is the influence of the curse in your life. I know it's salty to say that, but I'm just trying to be forthcoming and direct and biblical. The curse wants you to lose. The curse doesn't want you to win. Okay? Your desire will be for your husband. You have desires, and because they're rooted in love, how can your desire for him be wrong? Therefore, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And remember, as we stated in the second message in the series, this is a Hebrew idiomatic expression. And it basically means all of your effort to change him won't work. As a matter of fact, the harder you try, the worse it gets. Mm. And the more hurt, lonely, and devalued you will feel as a woman. What if I could propose, ladies, a way that you could win? It's not my way. It's God's way. A way to love your husband in a way that grows him into that incredible version of him that you see while at the same time not allowing the influence of the curse to destroy, undermine, or create defensive barriers within your husband. Would you be willing, ladies? This sounds like a cheat code. To grab a hold of that key, to, to know how to win, all right? And the key that unlocks the winning, you know, the victory, the overcoming in this environment is understanding the mystery of submission. Okay. I Normally this is where I would comment, but I'm just kind of on the edge of my seat and I just want to know. <laughs> so I could draw this out, but I think everyone listening is probably saying, yes, pastor, we want to know what this key to this promised version of how to have a healthy okay. growing marriage is. So yes. Tell us more. Well, the mystery of submission is something you really got to understand. All right. First of all, you have to understand its nature. And like this whole the series of submission. of submission, yeah, is what we've done is we said, look, you got to know Jesus, right? You got to mm. know yourself. You got to know the world. And that's the key to. So you really got to understand or know submission. What is it? Um, just real quick, if uh, uh, you have a pen, you want to write them down, or you can go back and listen. Submission is not something anyone can demand from you. No one can force you to submit. Authentic okay? submission. Yeah, real submission, the nature of it. No one can demand it from you. Uh, a person can't take it from you. It can't, you cannot be forced to give submission, okay? Because submission is not compliance. People can force you to comply all day long. And in a lot of ways, you know what husbands will do in the husband improvement project? They'll comply. Mm. But there's no, it does, they'll comply, but it doesn't build intimacy. Right. And women subconsciously are upset by that because they know he's just complying. He's not really doing it because he loves me, which just burns you up even more. You know, it reminds me of a story you told me about a little boy once that, yeah. that do you, can you want to tell that story really quick? Well, you know, his teacher said, you better sit down. And he goes, no, I don't want to sit down. And then she goes, well, I'm going to give you a paddling if you don't sit down. So he sits down and he goes, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> That's called compliance, right? Yep. 
Yep. Okay. What's you know what submission is? First and foremost, it requires a really deep faith. You know, so so if you really struggle with submission and understanding it and know how it works, not whether you choose to do it or not, but just understanding it and and how it works, then that might be a sign to you, ladies, that you need to grow your faith to a more mature level, right? Is this faith in God or is this faith in the person you're submitting to? No, faith in God. Okay. You know, whenever I use the term your faith, it's in reference to your relationship with Jesus okay. and nothing else. Okay. You know, the object of your faith is critical. Good, hard, and fast rule for <laughs> yeah. the salty pastor. And, and in Christianity, there's only one object of your faith. Yes. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> nothing else. You know, submission requires really deep faith, right, in Jesus, not the person you're submitting to. Mm. Submission is not... And this is very important to understand. Submission is not an invitation for abuse. It's not an invitation for manipulation. It's not an invitation to be controlled. Mm. Okay? It's none of those things at all. Submission is an act of love based on the knowledge of how God has wired men, particularly your husband. This is why I love the phrase, be subject to. Now, if you've been influenced by the cultural ideology out there, which is a 99% chance you have, because we all have, you see relationships, even intimate relationships, as power struggles, right? Who can make this decision, right? And why can, why can he make it and I can't make it? Okay, that's called a power struggle relationship, okay? Therefore, any instruction to subject yourself is considered evil because in a relationship that is a power struggle, right? Guess what? Submitting is evil because that's giving up or you're going to be taken advantage of. And there's a winner and a loser. Yeah. There's always a winner and a loser. Okay. Uh, And guess who is the, uh, you know, if you lose, who's the winner? Your husband. Right. So he's the oppressor of you. Right. Well, this is a complete misunderstanding of the phrase to be subject to. It's not about power. It's about the universe. It's, it's not about power. What, the reason we feel this way is because of, of feminism and uh, Marxism, cultural Marxist ideology. And what, what Marxist ideology does and why it's so evil and destructive is it takes the beauty and the wonder of the universe and how it operates and tries to reduce it down to its most basic thing, you know? So it takes Italian food and turns it into bland oatmeal. Right. You know, this beautiful, wonderful, all it's meant to be is that, well, just, you know, soak these oats in in, uh, water and eat it. Why? Well, it's sustenance. It'll keep you alive. Yeah, but this is not living. Right. You know, if you told an Italian that, they'd go, why? Go crazy. I'd rather die. Give me Italian food or give me death. Yes. Why? Because you see, it's, it's a difference between living and, and sustenance and life uh, or, or basic drive. And so submission is being subject to is not about power struggles and relationships. It's about the universe. It, it's about how the entire universe functions. So being subject to your husband is a spiritual instruction. This is really important to understand. It's a spiritual instruction. If a something is spiritual in its orientation, what is it dealing with? It's dealing with your soul and the entire spiritual universe as well as what? 
the entire material universe. So Jesus is like, don't be afraid of the guy who can take your life. Be afraid of the one who can steal oh, your soul. soul. Yeah. And so seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, your soul. And then what happens to the material universe? All these things will be added unto you. If you drink this water from this well, you're thirst again. But if you drink my water, what happens? You never thirst again. So being subject to is a spiritual instruction. That's very important to understand because it deals with everything, how the spiritual and material universe function. So people are saying, okay, pastor, I get that. What do you mean? Well, this is what it means. It means that you're going to take your knowledge of the universe and how it works, your knowledge of God and how he works, your knowledge of yourself and how you're wired. And you're going to combine that with the knowledge of your husband, who he is, what makes him tick in order to influence him in a way that is beneficial outcome for the both of you. Okay. So you're basically to sum up what we, this first point of unlocking the mystery of how submission yes. can really understand its true nature. Yes, understanding its true nature is to understand kind of these rules that you've given us of what submission really is, because the word has been twisted, turned, redefined, and changed mm -hmm. by society, culture, political, whatever, so many times that you hear the S word and you go suddenly, I have an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is it is not something anyone can demand from you. It's not someone that something that someone can take or force on you. It is not compliance. It requires deep faith. It is not an invitation for abuse, manipulation, or control. And it's an act of love based mm -hmm. on the knowledge of how God has wired men, especially your husband. So tell me another barrier that's keeping people from understanding submission and the mystery. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just to kind of, as you, as you encapsulated that really well, is that, you know, uh, what submission does is it unlocks the strength in the best side of masculinity. Mm. Okay. And so if you approach masculinity in a threatening way, right, then that brings out the worst parts of masculinity, right? Because masculinity is meant to provide and protect. Okay. So if you're wired to protect and you perceive a threat, what do you do? You protect, you protect, meaning you get defensive. Right. You're, you're, you defend, right? And so what a lot of women, I think, because the word submission, right, is so misunderstood and they, it's, it's, it's reduced to this level of power struggle instead of seeing it, there's all this above it is they lose, is that they don't understand that sometimes just the way you approach your husband, right, is I want to approach him in a way, I need to phrase this in a way because he's wired a certain way. Mm -hmm. I need to appeal these things. Isn't that what you're asking him to do in a way? Isn't it when you ask him, ladies, to say, I want him to love me this way because I feel more loved, and he goes, okay? So, so isn't it you know, that far of a stretch to say that submission is a way of learning how he's wired and learning how God has wired him and then following God's plan for influencing him? And God's plan says the best way to influence your husband to win is through submission. Okay? Now, the, so you've got to understand how... Uh, Faith in God's answer to winning in your relationship is a standalone endeavor. It's standalone. What does that mean? Well, if another person's behavior is necessary for you to follow the Lord, then is your faith real? Mm. If another person's behavior 
is necessary for you to follow the Lord, then is your faith mature? Is it really real? I would, I mean, just as someone who's in charge of, and I've heard this before is, well, I'm going to, I don't like the music being sung in worship, or I'm going to a different church because I like their music more, and that's the only way I can connect to God. When I hear that phrase, I go, well, then maybe you need to work on how you talk to God, because if only a certain kind of music allows you to connect to God, then I think you might need a deeper relationship Shit. than you are. It's not a real there's mature a, faith. There's, there's preferences, yeah. and that's fine. But if you tell me I can't connect to God because the music isn't the right kind of music for me, I think yes. that there's a deeper issue. And what you're saying is there might be something similar here of if you can yeah. only follow the Lord based on somebody else's behavior, then there might be a lack exactly. of depth in your... Exactly. Well, it doesn't forgiveness work this way? Where does it say in the Bible that, well, you uh, wait for someone to say they're sorry before you forgive? Then no one would ever say you're sorry because yeah. you're always waiting on the other person. First, yeah. Where Does it say that you forgive after the person has been arrested and punished and is in jail to forgive? No. No, all his instruction does not require someone else to behave in a certain way. Jesus says, forgive those who sin against you. Period. Yeah. Um, it, like kindness, right? Okay, he just says, be kind to one another. He doesn't say, be kind when the other person is kind first or deserves kindness or you have compassion for them because you've learned their history and their story and now you're brokenhearted over the fact that they're struggling with this. So we, he doesn't say that. He just says, be kind. Mm. The most common comment I hear from women, not all women feel this way, but a vast majority do, is that I would submit to my husband if he gave me something to submit to. Mm. Or another version is, I know I'm supposed to submit to him, but he's supposed to die uh, for me like Christ died for the church. So what she's really saying, ladies, and I know this is salty, what you're really saying if you feel this way is that my submission is contingent upon his behavior. Mm. And is that really an act of faith? No, it's no, not. it's not. You see, if, if your submission is based on his behavior, then is it really an act of love, a gift that you give him? No, it's it's transactional. It turns into, well, I will do it if blank. Right. And so those mm -hmm. contingencies, those transactions, it's like um, last week we talked about this in our podcast on the world where you said someone had a, uh, this woman had fifty thousand dollars of yeah. reasons to say no. And it's like, okay, well, if you're not willing to bring that in and say, this is ours, this is, I'm reserving this for if you earn it, or yeah. once I feel like we're actually good, then you can have this, right? That's the same thing is once you've earned it or whatever, and it's like, okay, well, but then that's no longer an act of love. It's I earned it, right? Yeah. It's no, it's not a gift anymore. Same yeah, way we that, can't earn the forgiveness we've gotten from God. That's right. He doesn't wait to give it to us just because we're, we've earned it. Otherwise, we would never have gotten it. Because faith is a standalone endeavor. Mm -hmm. it's, it's between you and God. And what do we always say here on The Salty Pastor? Do we, are we here to tell you what to think? No. Are we, are we here to tell you what to do? No. Why are we here? To help you grow, grow your own faith. Your own faith. Yes. Because what I think about your faith is absolutely irrelevant. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you think about your faith. Because what you believe is one of the most important things about you. So uh, I, our outline says you have a, three barriers for understanding okay. the mystery of submission. We've done two. Give me the third one. Understanding how fear is a primary motivator in your life is a woman. Now, the biggest fear in submission is being taken advantage of, right? 
uh, or manipulated or controlled, which is a huge issue for women. Let's be honest, because they are physically weaker than men. They are the physically weaker sex. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, women have been let down, disappointed, betrayed, even abused by men. But if you're going to look at it this way, then isn't it only fair to be honest that women have also let down, hurt, disappointed, and betrayed, and even abused men emotionally? Mm. I mean, if we're going to be really honest. So how do you navigate your way out of this? Is you have to understand fear is the primary motivator. Because what does he say at the end of that passage in three? He says, so that you are not controlled by any fears. fears. Well, 1 John 5, 4 is perfect, where the Apostle John says, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. It's our faith. You see, I believe that submission is an act of faith that overcomes whatever issue is between you and your husband. What do we know for sure? Well, things for women and men in marriage are not getting better, right? Marriages are getting harder. Staying together is harder today than it has ever been in the history of humanity. Why? Well, because the secular ideology and its promise was, well, follow our version, society's version. And guess what? Marriage is going to be better. It's going to be more equal. It's going to be more fun. It's going to be more fair. And it's going to be more intimate. Guess what? Today, it's none of those things. Women are, even in their marriages, are more hurt, lonely, isolated than ever before. So ladies, if you want to overcome what the world is offering and delivering, then it is through your faith that you will have victory. Mm. It's not through the world's way. It's through your faith. And your faith is showing you how submission is the path to victory, not defeat. It's winning, not losing. Okay? So so figure out its true nature. It's not an invitation to be manipulated, controlled, or abused. It's not that at all. It's not compliance. It's something else. And so I'm challenging women. It's not the dreaded S word. It's the winning S word. Mm. It's, the, it's the path. And now can I tell you exactly what it is? Of course not, because it's not my faith. It's your faith in God's instruction about its true nature that allows you to discover how it brings about a winning solution. And I just want to say one final note, lady, ladies, is this is if you choose not to employ submission as an act of faith to win with your husband, then what happens is if you're trying to win the societal way, you are becoming more masculine in your essence in the relationship. And when this happens, you, you don't understand the impact on guys. Is What it does is when you start to be a masculine in your marriage, You're letting the other masculine ethos off the hook, right? Yeah. You're letting them off the hook. Submission forces, because it's so feminine nature, it forces the masculine to be masculine, Mm. to lead, to, to be a provider, to be a protector, to take responsibility, right? It forces the masculine to be masculine. Often... I know I'm going to get really in trouble for this, but it just has to be. We're already there. Let's just do it. Yeah, and we're over time. So, <laughs> Ladies, so many wives that I know of, young wives, have the patience of a squirrel. 
and they just let their husbands off the hook. They'll say to me, well, I tried that. Well, what do you mean? Well, I had a conversation and then he didn't do it. So, okay. That's the patience of a squirrel, Mm. (laughs) you know? So then I just went and did it. All you did is you, you've trained him to say, I'm going to tell you what to do. And if you don't do it, then I'm going to do it for you. Right. Well, if you're a dude, women attribute so much more higher thinking power to guys than <laughs> guys are pretty simple. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're saying Path to me, least resistance. yeah. So basically the cost of getting you to do it is letting you yell at me for five minutes. That's not a bad cost. Then I can go do what I want. You see what the feminine does is says, I want a masculine man and the balance of masculine and feminine together in the garden was what? The perfect, perfect uni- unity. It was a perfect intimacy. They were naked and not ashamed. It was awesome, right? And what happens is when women choose not to employ the feminine quality of submission in their relationship, what happens is it lets the guy off the hook. And in the end, it drives her nuts. That's losing. And I want women to win. And the secret to winning is unlocking the true wonder and beauty of what submission is and how to employ it in your marriage. Well, pastor, I'm excited to hear you continue talking about this on Thursday, because I think after today's episode, people will be on pins and needles to see what you say next about the application of submission. But um, we'll have to cut it off today. We're, we're already running long, but this was not something we wanted to cut short because it has so much nuance and it is a hot topic word hot. to cover. So we want to make sure we cover it completely. Um, but thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in on Thursday. It is an episode you will not want to miss. Until then, have a great week. <laughs> Blessings. Blessings.